welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, July 22nd, and we are going to break down the NFC East. Training camp burning questions with the one, the only, John Breach. But before we dive in. Oh, yeah. That's right. Pick 6 Podcast is presented by a Bud Light. You can see my giant neon sign on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. And if you want, you can share a Bud Light with us as you listen along. Just go to budlight.com slash delivery to order your Bud Light right now. That's right, budlight.com slash delivery, and you will be given a plethora of options to have delicious Bud Lights into your house. I should point out, and I'll point this out on the mailbag that's coming Monday as well. But um, last week, well, I guess the last time we were talking about this, John Breach, I had a a box of uh, Bud Light beers, flavored beers, and I said, "Ooh, what?" I can't remember what I what did I say. It was, a, it was the it was the pink one, and I was like, "Ooh, what is that? Is it?" Um, I'm trying to think what flavor I thought it was, but I was wrong. And it's grapefruit, and it's incredible. You know what else is incredible? The Bud Light Orange as well. Uh, two delicious beers, and of course. You see the Bud Light Lime and the Bud Light Lemon, also both quite tasty. Those seltzers, the flavored tea seltzers, pretty, pretty freaking good. I didn't think I would like those, and I really liked them. Uh, so kind of blown away by that. What's up, Breach? How you doing? Brinson, you're bearing the lead here. Don't forget about the Bud Light Popsicle. Oh, my God. They are freaking amazing. My wife accidentally ate one because she when we put them in the freezer. You know, you kind of don't even know it's in the freezer. We have regular popsicles, and she went in there. And she grabbed it, noticed that the wrap is clearly different wrapper. It's bright, fun wrapper. Saw it, and she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about these. This is like two nights ago. Eats it and literally said it was the most delicious pop- popsicle she's ever had. So that, that was quite, quite – and she's a popsicle connoisseur. So this is quite the compliment. And these are the squeeze ones, not – you know, not they're on a stick or anything. Yeah. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a Bud Light Chili Willy. It's, it is like that. It's exactly what it is. I mean, it's just a Bud Light Chili Willy, and it is amazing. The uh, summer ice. I don't even know what flavor summer ice is supposed to be, but summer ice is good. I want summer ice in my life more. So go to Bud Light.com slash delivery and check out your delivery option so you can enjoy a Bud Light with us. Let's get to the NFC East, though. And we'll start because you got to start. You know where you start when you're talking the NFC East. You're starting with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, our pal Patrick Walker did the burning questions for these on the cbssports.com website. And I believe we're using his questions. Is that wrong? Is that correct, Breach? Or did you do your own? Um, I did some homework, but you know what? No, like- I mean, we're using his specific questions to discuss them. Because your your take would have been like can Zeke Elliott like you would have you know you wouldn't have focused on the defense. Can he get two more at can he turn his six pack into an eight pack? Right, exactly. That would have been your question. But Patrick's question, it's a good one. Can the defense excel under Dan Quinn? I think I might have gone with, can the defense not suck under Dan Quinn? Which is really the Cowboys' biggest problem because their defense was atrocious last year. They were can Dan back. Quinn fix the Cowboys' defense? Can Dan Quinn make the Cowboys' defense below average instead of just completely abysmal bottom of the barrel? That's the question. What do you think, Breach? I think that has got to be the number one question going into training camp. Because, look, I know the entire offseason, all we've heard is Dak, 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 Dak. It was Dak coming off his injury, Dak getting his contract extension, Dak this, Dak that. It's Dak, Dak, Dak. But you know what? When you look at what the Cowboys did last season, 
Dak Prescott played in four full games. He was on the field for 25% of the season. Uh, and even though he put up some crazy numbers, the Cowboys went one and three, and they would have gone 0 and four if not for a crazy uh, uh, watermelon onside kick win over the Falcons in week two, that 40 to 39 game. But you look at those games, and even though Dak put up some crazy numbers, the Cowboys defense gave up an average of 36 and a half points per game over the first four weeks of the season. They gave up 38 to the Seahawks. They gave up 49 to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, And then obviously they gave up 39 to the Falcons in that win. So they gave up all these points. They went one and three. And so if you don't fix this defense, it doesn't matter how good Dak is because as we saw last year, Dak can play lights out and you still lose games. So there is a lot of pressure on Dan Quinn, uh, but he's already proven that he is a very good defensive coordinator. We saw that with the Seahawks, and I I don't think the Cowboys defense can be any worse than they were last season. So I do think we're going to see some improvement. And as you said, Brinson, all they have to do is be below average. And I think this team can be good. And I think Dan Quinn can get them to below average. Really? See, I'm I'm a little worried about him because they have – I, the, the problem with the Cowboys in general is that they're a very stars and scrubs set up, and that's just how they like to operate. It's, you know, sometimes you, you do roto baseball and you build a team with a couple of good guys and you try and slap a bunch of terrible people around them. I mean, now on offense, they are loaded with stars. Like they have a lot of guys in Zach Barton, Tyron Smith on the offensive line who are stars. You can even argue Lyle Collins. You know, of course, Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, that is a their 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 offense is loaded. Now they're not the deepest offense in the world. I mean, if you know, three good receivers, of course, but you know, Tony Pollard. I, maybe their offense is deep, but on defense, it's like Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, Micah Parsons needs to be really good out of the box as a rookie. And Randy Gregory has to stay on the field and a couple of guys have to take a step forward in terms of their defensive production in the secondary. My concern is that Dan Quinn, while he's working with a better group of players than he was in Atlanta, is also working with a group of guys who haven't necessarily played in his defense before. Now, just by default, he's going to be better than Mike Nolan. I just don't necessarily think that a bunch of young additions is going to, and, and the Cowboys drafted a ton of them. Uh, I believe their first, what was it? First four picks were all used. Maybe first five picks because they had three third round picks. First five picks were all used on defense. I just don't. I just don't know that all those young guys can magically transform transform a defense overnight. But if Dan Quinn gets them to like 18th in the league in terms of defensive production, they're probably going to be involved in the playoff mix. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is. Again, they don't have to be that good. You don't have to completely turn around this defense in one year. You just have to make them below average. And like you said, Brenton, they knew what the problem was going into this offseason. They said, all right, we've got to fix things defensively. You mentioned Micah, Mar- or Micah Parsons. They they go with a linebacker in the first round of the draft. They go with a cornerback with their second pick. They go with a defensive tackle with their third pick. They go with a defensive end with their their second pick of the third round, but their fourth pick overall. They go with a cornerback with their fifth pick. So, yes, they went all defense with their top five picks, their top six picks, because uh, Jabril Cox went in the fourth round after their three third-round picks. So this team – 
they knew what their Achilles heel was and they said, all right, <laughs> let's fix this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is what we all have to do. And, and we're not even going to pay attention because once we have Dak back on the field, the offense is going to click. We'll be fine there. Maybe there's a little bit of concern of the offensive line, especially with Dak Prescott coming off the injury. Uh, but I think the idea here is we'll put in a new defense coordinator. We'll give Dan Quinn all of these guys the mold. We'll use our top six picks on defensive players, and we'll hope that uh, Dan Quinn can get them to gel. One more point of the Cowboys before we move on. I think it is worth pointing out that last year in 2020, Mike McCarthy's first season with Dak Prescott on the franchise tag, they Dak was putting up historical numbers. Like was through four games, or maybe six games, five games, whatever it was that he played fully, was on pace to to pass for, for like 9,000 yards, something insane. But he wasn't doing it in a way that was necessarily impressive and helping the Cowboys win. The Cowboys were looked like crap on offense in the first quarter of games, in early games, and they got in holes against the Browns and the Falcons, uh, a couple other you know early games, and they were forced to like mount these crazy comebacks, and that's where they were putting up their offense. So while obviously the defense is going to be key for the Cowboys trying to do something that Jerry Jones uh, you know, already made a deal with the devil about and win the Super Bowl, I do think it's worth watching how the offense looks functionally early in games because you can't just – make wild comebacks and expect that to win you a title. Yeah. And there is definitely something to be said for that because it, but it's also a chicken and egg question where if, if the, uh, would Dak still have put up big numbers if the defense hadn't, you know, just been so bad because those games you mentioned that Falcons game, uh, you know, they fell behind 20 to nothing and it's, what are you doing? You're behind 20, nothing. You have to throw the ball in every down to come back, uh, against the Seahawks. They fell down 30 to 15 in the second half. What do you do when you're down two touchdowns in the second half? You have to throw the ball on every down to come back right. against the Browns. They fell down 38 to 14 in the third quarter. What do you do when you're on 24 points in the third quarter? You have to throw the ball. So, you know, I don't know that the Cowboys want their offensive identity to be, they're throwing the ball every down, but when your defense is that bad, you have to. Uh, so if their defense is better, you know, maybe they can feature Zeke more. It, it'll be interesting. Oh, good. It's, it's yes. gonna... Utilize the utilize more fumbles. Zeke more. By, the way, Zeke, by the way, Zeke has been described as in the best shape of his life. So. I mean, have you seen the pictures? No, I know. I, I know. Usually they say they're in the best shape of their life, but Zeke literally looks like somebody chiseled him uh, out of a statue. A healthy Zeke is a really good football player. I mean, a healthy Zeke. He also carries the ball like a statue because he can't hold on to it. An in-shape Zeke is a really good football player. All right. Summer's here. (laughs) That's right. You know it's summer because we're talking about people being in the best shape of their lives, obviously. And when people were talking about that, that means it is mid-summer, and that means two things. One, all NFL players are in the best shape of their lives. But more importantly, it's time to stock the coolers and start counting down the days until we can enjoy an ice-cold Bud Light in an NFL stadium again. By our count, only 47 days are left until we can hear a beer vendor yelling about ice-cold Bud Light. Get your ice-cold Bud Light right here. Help you take summer by the coolers and get ready to tailgate. Bud Light is giving away coolers every day, all summer long. That's right. Free coolers. And they're not just free coolers. It's not, this is not like your average. This is a hefty, monster, awesome, keeps ice cold for a week Bud Light cooler. You can get rid of that dusty old ice box you got in the back of the garage and tailgate in style this fall. And all you have to do for a chance to win one of these coolers, and believe me, I have one. They are fantastic, is go to Bud Light legends.com 
BudLightLegend.com. Get your cooler. Trust me, you want one of these. You will put it in the back of your car. When you fill it up with ice and Bud Light, your friends will come by and they will say, my gosh, you have the best cooler I've ever seen. It's very cool. Thankfully, we're all back tailgating. That was, I don't, you've got a cooler. What do you think about it, Breach? Uh, I love it. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I didn't have a cooler because, you know, I moved. Uh, you have any coolers? Did not own a cooler. And my wife and I actually have been talking about getting one. in my house for coolers. Well, you know, some people have like five cores. I'll go in my sister's garage in Cincinnati and they have like 17 cores. I'm like, what do you do with 17 cores? She's like, well, this one's for soccer halftime if we have to take the kids. This one's for the other kid. This one's when we take camping. This one's our go to the pool core. And I'm like, my God, like I don't even have a lunchbox, like let alone a core. But now we have a core and it is an amazing core. Uh, yes, the Bud Light cooler must have. Go to BudLightLegends.com and get your cooler the giants have a very 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 clear you know we're talking about we do these burning question podcasts and it's like when you do the story you don't want to write like the quarterback is the burning question for every team because you you can you can find a way to get there for a lot of teams you know cowboys clearly that's a defense situation the giants though very clearly the question is is daniel jones the franchise quarterback can he be a franchise quarterback? Shoot, can he be an above-average starter? Shoot, can he not lead the league in turnovers for the Giants this year? Breach, what do you think? You know what's crazy about Daniel Jones? I'm actually on the Daniel Jones bandwagon, the Jones wagon. Is that the Jones Jeep? What are we going to call that thing? Jones Jeep? It's, you know, Jones. like the Wentz, the Wentz wagon? We're going to have to workshop that one for, for, <laughs> for quite a bit. You don't like the Jones Jeep? That's, uh, let's... Let's workshop that one. Okay, we'll, we'll workshop. We'll work you tell me what you think about Daniel Jones instead of trying to come up with that on the fly. All cool. right. So I actually like Daniel Jones as a quarterback. I think the Giants can be really good this year. And obviously, as we have talked about multiple times, anytime we bring up Daniel Jones, we bring up the turnovers. The man fumbles more than anyone. Like it, it, it is Jameis Winston level fumbling. And if you fumble that much, your team's not going to win. You can't just give the other te- your opponent the ball for free. You can't have these horrid turnovers. And so if you look at Daniel Jones and you ignore the turnovers, which, you know, like is shouldn't be possible. And, and it's not even this is a hypothetical. Let's pretend the turnovers are not real. He was a pretty good quarterback in 2019. He regressed a little last year, I think. Uh, but he still looks like someone who could be good for the Giants. Now, obviously, when you combine the fact that he throws interceptions and fumbles like a madman, uh, that's a huge issue. So if someone in New York, I don't know, Jason Garrett, you, you know, get a few claps, bring uh, bring some of the, the magic pixie dust to New York and, and put it on Daniel Jones's hands and so he doesn't fumble. Because if they can figure that out, I think this offense can be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what they – they did exactly what I thought they were going to do this offseason. Dave Gettleman did. Dave Gettleman's very predictable. You, you don't I'm – not, I'm not some, you know, uh, mind reader or savant here. Dave Gettleman's just very predictable. And he was always going to double down on Daniel Jones. That was going to be his plan. He was going to double down. I was surprised he didn't double down on Saquon Barkley, but with the injuries, I get it. So they, they have Darius Slayton. Uh, they already had Sterling Shepard. They already had Evan Ingram, who, by the way, still – 
could be a post-hype breakout candidate, I suppose. They bring in John Ross. They signed Kenny Galladay. They draft Kadarius Tony after trading down. They wanted Devontae Smith, but the Eagles leapfrogged him uh, in that trade with the Cowboys and beat him to him, so they went back in that trade with the Bears and added a different receiver in the first round. It is a very clear message from Dave Gettleman. I believe in Daniel Jones. I, I used a six-pick on him in the, in the 2019 NFL draft. I'm going to triple, double, triple, quadruple down on him and expect him to have a big season this year. I agree, though. It is sort of imperative, not that he he doesn't have to have this Josh Allen leap. He just has to do what Josh Allen did and fix a very clear flaw in his game. Josh Allen increased his accuracy and improved his deep ball uh throwing down the field you know hit started hitting uh you, know, you had Stephon Diggs and, and it, it, it improved significantly it took the pressure off other receivers on that offense it allowed uh Allen and Diggs to get in the same page and you need something similar from Daniel Jones he needs to he doesn't need to fix he doesn't need to become an MVP candidate he just needs to fix the turnovers stop fumbling stop throwing picks stop trying to do too much and just make it easy for him Jason Garrett I think it's possible. I'm bullish on Daniel Jones. I, I, I'm not going to be completely off the Daniel Jones, the Jones Jeep or whatever we're going to call it. But I am a little worried that the Giants could just be average this year. Jones could have a ton of turnovers. And, you know, they blow the whole thing up. That wouldn't be surprising to me, too. I think there's a lot of – there's a significant variance in terms of the range of outcomes for the Giants in 2021. Well, I think one of the crazy things, though, is that we were talking about how the – the Cowboys defense just needs to be below average for them to be competitive. Daniel Jones just needs to be slightly, just slightly above Correct. average for the Giants to be competitive. And so he doesn't have to be a great quarterback. They put a decent team around him. This is probably the most talent they've had in a few years uh, overall when you look at the offense, offensive and defensive side of the ball. And so Daniel Jones just needs to not give games away. 29 fumbles over the past two seasons. That is the most of any quarterback in the NFL. He's only played in 26 games. So that's an average of more than one fumble per game. That is atrocious, Brinson. It's it's terrible. He's like he's basically Jameis Winston light. Jameis Jones. Jameis Jones. Jameis Boom. There's there it is. There really, really brought that one home. The Washington football team. Man. A lot of hope in Washington. And the question that Patrick uh, Walker asked, can Ryan Fitzpatrick be a viable QB1 for Washington? And before we do that, Breach, allow me to give my ice-cold take presented by Bud Light. Because, yes, he can. In fact, I believe, firmly believe, that the Washington football team, under the guidance of Ron Rivera, with the Fitz magic added, uh, is going to unlock something on offense that we haven't seen from them in several years, and that's explosiveness. Terry McLaurin, monster year coming. Antonio Gibson, huge year coming. You are going to see these guys. Logan Thomas might have a monster year as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick coming to Washington with everything they have on defense, with Ron Rivera creating a stable base for success in the nation's capital is finally going to get a quarterback who can do what he wants, who has a, a little bit of upside that Alex Smith didn't have. And the Washington football team is not just going to win the division. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be a team that beats up everybody else in the division and runs away with it. People are going to pick Dallas. No way. Give me Washington. That's my ice cold take presented by Bud Light. 
Brinson, I, I actually love that take. I feel like your takes are about 50-50 with me so far. I disagree with half of them. I love half of them. Uh, but back in February, when Brian Fitzpatrick was still a free agent, my thought process was, and uh, if you hunt down CBS Sports HQ's YouTube videos, maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet out the link. Who knows? But anyway, I said if Washington signs Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think that they can win the NFC title, the entire conference. I think they can get to the Super Bowl. Um, Whoa! And not to one up Brenton's ice cold take, but I still think that. Look, Ryan Fitzpatrick said this week that this is the best team he's ever been the starting quarterback for that he's usually on bad teams right he is almost always on bad teams and and you look at his you know he's been the nfl since 2005 he's been a a starting quarterback who is i think he started at least three games per season since 2008 and so you look at the teams he's been on and he just has never really had any talent around him i mean last year's dolphins team was the best but they were trying to kick him out the door the entire season and so he never really got to take advantage of that but other than that i think he had one year with the jets where he went 10 and 6 where he had a decent amount of talent i mean this isn't even close you look at terry mclaurin you mentioned some of the weapons there brinson uh, you know now he has curtis samuel there you look at the running backs he has he has a guy who can catch out of the backfield jd mckissick you have antonio gibson There are so many guys. And plus, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a threat to run. I think his legs are some of the most underrated QB legs. He's so old. uh, He doesn't look athletic. And so, you know, you think, hey, he probably moves like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not going anywhere. Tom Brady's not going to scramble for eight yards on you. Fitzpatrick does that stuff. And so I think Washington be good. And I think this is a good fit for Fitzpatrick. Finally, the Philadelphia Eagles. And pretty obviously, I mean, the Eagles kind of built this one out themselves. Can Jalen Hurts be the franchise quarterback or will Philly be dipping its toe back in the quarterback market next draft? And or will they trade for Deshaun Watson? That's still on the table. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I think it's very much a good question. What is Jalen Hurts and will he affect the, the Eagles future plans at the quarterback position? I don't think we know anything about Jalen Hurts. Look, he's yeah. going to be going into what if he gets the training camp and he's horrible? You know, like his expectations were so low because he was just kind of thrown to the Wolves last year. You know, he, he they they put him in and you're already eliminated from the playoffs. You have nothing to lose. There's no pressure. So you just say, all right, Jalen, you're our guy, uh, except when we tank the last game. Uh, but other than that, we're going to put you in for the, these final four games. And we don't care what happens. We just want to get you some NFL experience. And was he good? Uh, I don't know if we could use the word good. I feel like he was average, maybe below average. But again, first four starts, you don't expect very much of him. So now he's going to have a whole entire training camp. I mean, what if you do, if you're the Eagles, you get to August 15th and he looks bad in training camp, plays a bad preseason game. And do you start panicking? Do you start Joe Flacco? Do you call the Texans and offer literally anyone on your roster to get to Deshaun Watson there, even though you don't even know if he can play in 2021? I mean, I think this is the biggest question in the NFC East because if Hurts doesn't look good in training camp, I don't know what you do if you're the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, you panic. Or if I I guess if you're Debo or an Eagles fan or, you know, we got friends of the podcast, Cody Benjamin or Jeff Kerr or big Eagles fans. (laughs) uh, I mean, I think you just kind of pee your pants and hope that your team stinks for the year, right? Like that's your best case scenario, just sopping wet pants and bad. Debo, is that is that is that your plan? I mean, that doesn't sound like a best case scenario to me. <laughs> but the Eagles, like you said, are in a position 
because of how they treated draft picks and how they made some trades this offseason to set themselves up to, if they're bad next year, draft another quarterback. If they're just kind of average and not sold on Jalen Hurts, then to use those draft picks and move up once again to take one of these quarterbacks in this kind of uncertain quarterback class or trade for someone like a Deshaun Watson. I think the worst case scenario for the Eagles would be uh, seven and 10 and never really in the divisional hunt. And you're unsure about Jalen hurts. That's the worst case, right? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of said throughout this off season, I feel like they're going to be in that eight, nine win range. And I don't think any team in the division is going to win 11 or 12 games, despite how high you guys are on Washington. I don't think anyone's going to run away with the division. I think it's all four teams could be competing for it and scenarios for each of them to win in, in week 18. Yeah. I mean, like the Eagles probably won't be out of it, even if they're under 500 midway through the year, you know, right. they will probably still be involved in the hunt, but I, it's one of those where because of the, you know, because of the way your draft is set up with multiple picks because of what you've done with Carson Wentz, because you use a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, because, you know, I think Howie Roseman is certainly under pressure here. I almost think you either want to be really bad or good. And I don't, I don't know if they can be great. I, don't, I just don't know this roster can be great. But, you know, if Jalen Hurts plays well and Devontae Smith is an impact right out of the gate and Jalen Rager takes a step in his second year, that's going to ease a lot of the pressure on Howie Roseman. So, I think you want them to be good, but I could also see a scenario where you want them to be bad. You just need an answer. I don't think it's easier for you. Just need an answer on Jalen Hurts this year. That should be that's the that's the issue with the Eagles. I think. And the crazy thing is, this is one of those teams where it feels like if you look at their ceiling compared to the floor, it might be the biggest difference in the NFL. If somebody told me the Eagles finished the season with ten wins, I could see it. You know, if Jalen Hurts clicks, everything else falls into place. If somebody told me the Eagles are going to go three and 14, I could see that too. And and so it's just literally anything is on the table with this team. All right. That's it. That's the NFC East burning question podcast. Thanks to Bud Light as always. Thanks to John Breach. Talk to you guys soon.